Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, it's Mike, and it's old religion dystopia, knowing versus belief. And uh, what day is it? It's the 10th? Allegedly, August the 10th, 2017. No evidence of that. So, anyway. Look at the young family walk by, just watching my... Beautiful garden, wilt in the August heat. I see a. I'm nice to see hummingbirds. I'll find it. It depends on the time of day. I think I might put some water, rain water on the plants. I only have two barrels worth, or two containers, tubs. So, eh, it's August. Had a beautiful run though. It was beautiful in June and July. In my neck of the woods, that's, that's get two two good months out of it. It's great. Birthdays. You know, I guess uh, you know we live in a culture in a world where you're. you're your birthday is the day you come out of the womb, but what ever happened to Consumption Day, huh? Yeah. I remember the day. That was a good day, by the way. I enjoyed that day. That was a hell of a day. Anyways, um, watching the birds... Trivium. So I'm thinking about reading, trying to read the Trivium. I don't know. It's probably a waste of time. No, not terrible. I'm as, as a as a reader, but um, you know, everyone says Trivium, Trivium. You must learn the Trivium. That's the way to defeat the new world order, which is the old world order, which is the same old damn world order. Uh, yeah, maybe. Of course, just asking the questions and not being afraid of the consequences of asking questions. You know, that, that that's a reality. That's something that uh, should be discussed. Because when you start questioning the authority... Well, either you're going to get hit over the head with a club, hit with a fine, or, uh, uh, you know, piece of paper, pink uh, pink slip. Uh, yes, uh, at best, politely to leave the church, um, the cult that you belong to, the university system that you are attending that costs 
ridiculous amount of money that in the end you're no more prepared for the world than you were when you first went in. The only thing is is that you have uh, accomplished the goal set out. You have determined and confirmed that you are a conformist all the way and that you will most likely comply. You know, I actually live in a suburb that's generally quiet most of the time. But it's it's funny how people want to use use the road that I live on. Everyone wants to use it. Doesn't matter who it is. They got semis that go down this road to have. I mean, it's twenty fifteen to twenty five miles an hour. <laughs> I think it's because you know most places are just plain ugly. I notice a lot of people drive by just to look at the pretty garden that the creators allowed me to have in the front. You, everyone should have one. I'm looking. Actually, I'm looking at a honeybee. Uh, believe it or not, I am looking at a honeybee. There's a guy. Everyone's got to have a, a busted up muffler now, or whatever. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying. All the young guys got to have this loud muffler. I mean, you can't drive fast. This is a way of making your mark in the world, is uh, making as much fucking noise as you can. It's cool watching that that bee. I hope that's a honeybee. It may be just going to be one of those ones that burrow into your your woodwork. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I I posted on the Facebook page, uh, old religion dystopia, knowing versus belief. I don't even know how I introduced this show. Did I? And no, I'm not high, and it's August, and I got MS, so <laughs> it sounds like that, yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, Martin. Lead key, interesting character from, you know, British, flat Earth, whatever. And he had, he did a very good job. He was interviewed and he just rambled on and went from point point point, uh, about the the uh, flat Earth. Of course, he didn't talk about the agenda, and. Um, I think a lot of people don't want to admit, you know, that the truth of the matter is that it is clear controlled opposition. It doesn't mean the Earth is not necessarily flat. It just means that uh, they threw this out to muddy the water more, confuse things, and bring down the system. They need to bring down the system. It's, it's necessary to, to agitate and foment and use all their the magic through their machinations of social engineering to, you know, usher in the Luciferian doctrine, huh? That everyone will finally worship their true God. <laughs> uh, and to justify the fact that, you know, they're killing you and lying to you and deceiving you and that it's, it's necessary. Oh, it's necessary for their control. I think after I do this recording, I, mean, I am definitely going to water the plants and 
Maybe before then, for definitely watering. I think I might do some seed harvesting. Lots of wildflower seeds. Anybody's interested in some wildflower seeds, uh, shoot me an email. It's in the uh, in the description box for this and um, talk shoe. Or you can, of course, do it through YouTube and you send me. I don't know, money, I guess, for shipping and packaging. I, I'll send you some. Lots of stuff. Coneflowers, uh, Black Eyed Susans, Rebecca, uh, Cosmos, uh, sneeze, Sneezeweed, uh, Sunflowers, all sorts of things. So, a good thing to have in your yard. Um, once you get this thing established, it's really not that difficult. I didn't do that much this year. I reseed is certain areas uh, in March and that took about a grand total of an hour to do and uh, I did some weeding last week which wasn't necessary but I just wanted to get rid of some of the, of some of the uh, undesirable things like crabgrass <clears throat> which is not a lot nice about, thing about Cosmos it gets pretty big. Uh, it's not necessarily strong enough to winter over. That's why you have to do it in March, in my neck of the woods. In other words, it can't tolerate the winters. It's a southwestern plant, I think. I don't know where it's from. Not from Ohio, Ohio-Michigan border. So, and I was going to go to the um, food bank. Because I need to. I don't have enough money, and I do need to stock up on uh, food storage and that kind of thing. And anyways, they had a festival going on, which is really cool. That was nice. But it's too warm and too many people, so. And I, I'm not... I guess I am pretty anti-social, but I don't think I'm better than anybody else. I'm just anti-social. So whether you're stinking rich or stinking poor, it's not really the issue for me. I'm just not very social. And it's one of the reasons why I do what I do. Anyways, Sister Mariam Joseph, CSC, Ph.D., Uh, yeah, the, uh, whoever owns this book owns a treasure by Eva, it's a quote by Eva Braun. Oh boy, that's wonderful. Uh, the Trivium, the Liberal Arts of Logic, Grammar, and Rhetoric. I got a headache too, by the way. It's tough right now, I just, uh, I don't know, man. It's fucking... Designer disease, multiple sclerosis, just fucking blows. Excuse my language. <clears throat> Editor's introduction. In the liberal, or the, excuse me, in the true liberal education, the essential activity of the student is to relate the facts learned into a unified, organic whole. To assimilate them as da da da, 
And the rose assimilates food from the soil and increases in size, vitality, and beauty. Trivium, the liberal arts, logic, grammar, and rhetoric. What is language? How does it work? What makes good language? Uh, Coleridge defines defined prose as words in their best order and poetry the best words in the best order. Planned but apt he excuse me, his definitions provide a let me try this because it's not planned. Plain but apt. His definitions provide a standard, but where can a reader and a writer find the tools to achieve this standard? Don't we think about prose and poetry? And isn't it just playing with the mad arts, the magical arts of language, spellcasting? That's how we manipulate each other in our environment, through language. And then our behavior generally betrays us and who we really are. But if you have the ability to uh, communicate quickly, fastly, decisively with words, you can confuse your uh, opponent and your uh, I guess your desired victims of manipulation to uh, do your bidding, right? I know that sounds cynical, but that's just my life experience with other people. It's one of the reasons why I don't really talk that much. I'm more of a listener and an observer than a talker, but I guess I have to force myself to do this kind of stuff just so I can feel somewhat alive in the enslaved uh, prison that I'm in. That's a contradiction, I guess. But anyways, right. Writers find the tools to achieve the standards. My research drew me to Sister uh, of Miriam Joseph's book, The Trivium, I know that the skills I have learned as a liberal arts student taught as a high school English teacher and used as a writer and editor derived from the medieval and renaissance approach to grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Hmm, and we're going to go back into the medieval and renaissance era. Are we still in it? Are they trying to suck us back into it? Questions just to ask. Don't have the answer, although it seems to be the case. From my perspective, whatever that's worth. Anyways, where were we at? Where was I at this? Okay, the rhetoric. The three language arts of the liberal arts known as the trivium. 
However, a study of the original trivium showed me that the hodgepodge of grammar rules, literary terms, and syllogistic formulas offered as language arts differs from the original conception of the trivium that offered tools to perfect the mind. Sister Marion Joseph rescued that integrated, integrated approach to unlocking the power of the mind and presented it for many years to her students at St. Mary's College in South Bend, Indiana. She learned about the trivium from Montior, excuse me, Montemore J. Adler, who inspired her and other professors of St. Mary's to study the trivium themselves and then teach it to their students. Sister Miriam Joseph's preface to the 1947 edition of uh, the trivium, she wrote, quote, this work owes its inception da, 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 to Professor Montemore J. Adler at the University of Chicago. These are all these warning signs to me. <laughs> Jesuits, Roman Catholic, University of Chicago. Anyways, let's find out what the elite think or somebody who's assuming they're elite or what they want us simpletons to think. I don't know. Let's find out whose inspiration and instruction gave it initial impulse. And a quote, she wrote, she went on to acknowledge her debt to Aristotle's John Milton and Jacques Maritain, William Shakespeare, Thomas Aquinas, and Thomas More. Also, more, oh yeah, also make frequent appearances in the trivium. And this is good company indeed, if you want to understand who's been mind-fucking you. The trivium teaches us the language, that language evolves from the very nature of being human. Because we are rational, <clears throat> we think, because we are social, we interact with other people because we are corporal. We use physical medium. We invent symbols to express the range of practical, and uh, theoretical, and poetical experiences that m make up our existence. Words allow us to leave a, a legacy of our experience to delight and to educate those who follow us. Educate. Uh-huh. Delight. Because we use language, we engage in a dialogue with the past and the future. How does the trivium help us use language to engage in such a dialogue 
with the past and the future and to negotiate our own lives. Aristotle's theories of language and literature underline this work. His ten categories, of course ten, of being of being provide a certain focus. Words are categorized by their relationship to being and to each other. When a speaker or writer uses a word, thus assigning it a particular meaning, it becomes a term and enters the realm of logic. Aristotle's categories enable us to translate the linguistic symbol into a logical entity ready to take its place in a proposition. From propositions, the reader moves to uh, syllogisms uh, and enthemes, ethemes, that's how you pronounce that. Enthymemes. Enthymemes. Anyways, it's E-N-T-H-Y-M-E-M-E-S. Sorites. 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 Or sorites. S-O-R-I-T-E-S. Formal fallacies and material fallacies. Well, that's a nice progression, isn't it? <laughs> when you think about it, from propositions to formal and material fallacies, basically, words are used to mindfuck ourselves, aren't they really? I know that sounds cynical, but and an awful lot of what, when it comes to culture creation and uh, social engineering and sure certainly applies science hard science is hard to find these days science itself has been turned into a formal and material fallacy um, for the average man the average man believes in things I'm one of them that basically I've been barfed out by somebody who was placed in position to barf it out, and in my naivety, believe in. I know that sounds so cynical, doesn't it? But that's life. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It's terrible, the predicament we're in. Well, at least it's convenient, I guess. At least we're not... Well, well, I don't know. The trivium explains the logic that logic is the art of deduction. You you do say, as thinking beings, we know something, and from that knowledge, we can deduce new knowledge. Where does the initial knowledge come from? That's a damn good question, huh? And the section on induction answers the question as it explores 
the process by which we derive general principles from individual instances. Examples from the literary canon and Shakespeare or Shakespeare's Shake that spear, man. Ooga, ooga. In particular, illuminate the explanations of grammar and logic. Sister Miriam Joseph, who was also a Shakespearean scholar, whoop-de-doo, actually wrote about Shakespeare as a master of the trivium. Man, those Shakespeare's were some quick-witted deceivers, weren't they? And storytellers. Capture your mind to keep you from paying attention to who actually is making your life an absolute misery. For example, he often used uh, lit, litotes, litotes, L-I-T-O-T-S and figures of speech based on the observations of a proposition. The Tempest shows one instance of this. Sebastian expresses his concern over the fate of Ferdinand, the king's son, and says, quote, I have no hope that he's undrawn, in a quote. I have no hope that he's undrawn. Undrawn. I don't know what that means. Do you? It's a word that most people would even use. Undrowned. U-N-D-R-O-W-N-E-D. Shakespeare uh, makes the rhetorical decision to use Observation to dramatize that Sebastian faces a reality he cannot describe in direct speech. Because if he did, he probably would be hung or imprisoned or slapped or fined some way or the other. That's, that's what happens. You start speaking the truth, you're ostracized at best, and then it goes on from there. Rhetoric concerns the choices a speaker or writer makes from the opinions grammar logic offer. Sister Marion Joseph, <clears throat> I wonder if that's even her real name, SMJ, Society of... Maternal Jesuits, eh, or something like that. Uh, Sister Mary and Joseph reviews the history of rhetoric and presents Aristotle's perspective on the means of persuasion. The persuasion, manipulation, this shown and that shown. She includes poetic communication through the narrative created by the author, in addition to rhetoric and direct communication. 
Here the reader will find Aristotle's six elements of poetics. The section on plot is extensive and includes a detailed analysis of structure in Guy D. Maupassant's, I guess that's what you pronounce the name, quote, the piece of string, end the quote. It dangles the puppet. Used by the puppet master. In the service of rhetoric and poetics, Sister uh, Miriam Joseph explains figurative language according to the classical topics of invention from which they are derived. Poetry and versification and the essay. The chapter ends with a brief guide to composition. As the summary indicates, the trivium provides a comprehensive view of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, as well as of induction, poetics, and figurative language and poetry. Now, one of the things I've discovered in my journey of discovering the truth is that the story is more important than the truth. And long as that narrative, the story, goes along with what the puppeteers demand it to be, okay. If you go outside that box, if you will, if you dare to cut the strings, then there's going to be consequences. Also, you hear a lot of folks who promote the trivium that, well, this is a good book to have, but it's not really the trivium that we're talking about. All right. Whatever. I got a gut feeling that most of the people that say that they know about the trivium really don't know shit about the trivium. But what they really are doing is complicating a simple issue for the average man and woman to ask the questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how, and what order to put them in. And, um, I mean, how do you go about that without having a holistic approach and understanding of who's actually running the show to begin with? Who are the puppeteers? And that's part of the quest that you find when you do your truth searching and you become a quote-unquote truther, which is a silly little term, or descriptive term. Truther. What the heck? I know I'm not part of any movement. The closest movement that I'm part of is a bowel movement. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that um, if you want to discover the truth of your reality, there are consequences. Now, how do you navigate through those consequences? And basically... It becomes an, uh, the art of, once again, manipulation and deception and um, to um, control the narrative in your own life. and to So you, so you learn all this stuff. And you, you walk around with a head full of what, you, what we perceive to be secrets. 
and that the average person doesn't know have a clue what those secrets are, and probable but that's the case, as you can't really have these kind of conversations outside of talking to a headset uh, to by yourself at a scrying machine called a laptop or computer and uh, barf out your opinions with the hopes that somebody will listen to you, but still it's a one-way street um, and it's a one-way conversation. And in reality, that's what we're talking about, a one-way conversation with the fact that we want the uh, interpreter, the listener, the audience to comply, to accept uh, our arguments, our our uh, point of view, and for whatever reasons. Of course, you could look more into, you know, you know what the reasons are. The reasons are is to manipulate, exploit people, and to frickin' um, make a buck off it and, and um, not have to have a hard laborious job because people don't really want to work who wants to fucking work in this world who wants to slave and till the land and mm, dig ditches and and etc you know what I mean Uh, we want somebody else to do it while we sit around in our quote-unquote ivory towers which really aren't just be honest there are cubicles whether at the home office or the office building, or wherever it may be. And pretend we are in charge of our destiny. Like great paper tigers that we are. Figurative language, according to the classic topics of invention, blah, 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 right, from pork and fish, okay, would I just blah, 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 blah. And deduction and object and da, 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 da. Always, every time I, I, I need to start just place marking where I'm at, but i just too lazy to do it. Okay, anyways, uh, reading and composition explains the concept of rhetoric and literature. Few references to logic in chapter 10 and 11 are explained in the notes. The notes are a new feature in this edition of the Trivium. Todd Moody, professor of philosophy at St. Joseph University in Philadelphia. Well, that's really promising, a professor of philosophy from St. Joseph University. Oh, my God. There's a man you can trust. Woohoo. Professor of Philosophy, Philadelphia, St. Joseph University, Jesuits, Freemasonry, a man who's probably more of a blockhead than anybody you can imagine, but he's got a sharp tongue. Boy, oh boy, can he run circles around you with his power of the use of language. All right. Is that who you want to be? Maybe we need to be this type of person. Maybe we need to know about these type of people, at least. Provided commentary 
and amplification on the logic chapters. He notes, his notes are designated TM. Total mindfuck. My notes give etymologies and the sources of uh, source for quotations and clarifications. Some notes repeat information from earlier chapters that I thought would be helpful to the reader. The original publication had sketchy documentation of quotations. I researched all the quotations and used contemporary standard editions for frequently cited sources. Oh, gosh. hope it's not some Orwellian approach. Anyways, I used uh, contemporary standard editions for frequently cited sources such as Shakespeare's plays or the Bible. Oh, there you go. There are two books you can count on. Or books, I should say. Books of, of course, now we just mentioned what? The foundation of uh, modern English? (laughs) The creation of the slave language of English. Hopefully we can break away from that. I think there's probably something to that. I think those that have the capacity to break away from the slave, slave language of English and can harness it uh, probably have greater insights to reality than those who cannot. Just a hunch. Can't prove it right at this point, but it's a hunch. St. Thomas More. Uh, confutation concerning Tyndale's answers, for example, is the three-volume work and is a three-volume work in Renaissance prose. Of course, why not? You don't want it to have it in just plain English for the slaves, now, do you? You want to make them really getting trapped in contemplation. Uh, In one case, however, I was delighted not only to find the actual book and out of print and now little known book of logic, but to find the actual quotation. The issue of gender and language occasion several discussions among the editorial staff. In the Trivium Systemarium, Joseph uses, this is what it says, he and man to refer to all human beings. That was the accepted Procedure in 1930s and 40s, and it suited a book that used classical, medieval, and Renaissance sources. 
I left the text unchanged except for occasionally substitutions of plural words and expressions like human beings for man. There we go. There's the Orwellian approach to it all. And the attempt of social engineering and it's done a good job. Women and men are separate and different. Women have a vagina. Men have a penis. Women think one way. Men think another way. Men have broad soldiers. Shoulders and... uh, Women don't, etc. Goodness gracious. But we can't do that. We can't just let women be women and men be men. We've got to blur the line. We've got to turn it all into the tranny nation. Thanks, so sick fucks can mind fuck us even more. All right. Uh, in her addition to uh, of the trivium, Sister Miriam Joseph used an outline form. This edition adapts the outline by using equivalent headings and by providing transitions. I also made distinctions between information and Examples in the original text. Examples, illustrations, analogies, and notes were incorporated into the outline. In my own study of this trivium, I found that certain sections were key to understanding the work as a whole or were valuable additions to my understanding of language. I have presented these sections as displays in this edition, and they should serve the reader both in the first reading of the Trivium and also in a review of the text. The author chose wonderful literary examples for every chapter of the book. This edition keeps those Selections occasionally poems were mentioned by not included, but not included. This edition includes the poems. In some cases, Sister Miriam Joseph used quotations from or references to contemporary periodicals. Because they have lost their relevance, I substituted literary references. Thank you very much. Marguerite McLean, McLean, Philadelphia, 2002, McLean, a flame. Okay. Stinking Roman Catholic all around, so. I would like to, but you might as well learn about it because the Roman Catholic, uh, Roman Catholicism is the religion of the Roman Empire that we live in. And whether you're a quote-unquote Protestant or a Roman Catholic, you're still part of it. Uh, you, can't get, you can't get away from it, no matter how hard you try. 
and how how you take whatever interpretations of the Bible you want, you're still um, part of the Roman Empire, and you're still pushing the Roman Empire's uh, theology, philosophy, and um, religion. But, by the way, it's not any better or worse than the religions of the other empires. And although Rome desperately wants you to believe that, for instance, uh, the Confucian Empire, uh, the Chinese Empire is dwindling, or, or, you know, what the uh, Mohammedist Empire, or the uh, all the other different empires. Well, there's, you got the oh the Indians there and their their religion. You know, and they want to blend it all in, but still they 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 still hold true. Actually, if anything, they seem to be all just the same thing. They're just different gangs and they're different mind screws. So. Okay, uh, where was I at in all this before I had my latest rant? Okay. Uh, the author chose wonderful literary examples for every chapter of the book. The edition keeps those sections. Occasionally poems were mentioned, but not included. This edition includes the poems... In some cases, Sister Miriam Joseph used quotations from or references to contemporary periodicals because they have lost the railways, blah, blah, blah. I would like to thank many people who helped bring this new edition of the Trivium to publication. John Kovic, librarian at St. Mary's College. Mm-hmm found the original Trivium and sent it to Paul Dry Books. Never heard of Paul Dry Books, have you? Professor John Pauley of St. Mary's College wrote Sister Miriam Joseph's biography for this edition. Todd Moody provided an invaluable service in reading and commenting on the logic chapters. He helped me clarify the text and answered all of my questions affably and quickly. Daryl Dobbs, professor of political science at Marquette University, read drafts of various stages and provided helpful commentary. Martha Robertson, member of the Christian Trivium Board, reviewed a draft and her advice helped me sharpen the focus I would also like to thank Thomas McGlynn, my husband, who patiently sat through evening meals peppered with uh, conundrums about grammar and logic as I worked my way through this project. The editing, in editing tri- the trivium, I tried to do no harm to the original text. Tried to, but failed, probably. And, <laughs> cynical, I know. To be true, the, to the vision and learning of the author and her teacher, 
in the uh, prologue to the uh, Canterbury Tales, Chaucer's or Chaucer asks the audience to forgive him if he offends anyone or makes a mistake. He concludes by explaining, quote, My wit is short, yea, ye may well understood, end of quote. I invoke the same defense. <clears throat> Ultimately, Sister Miriam uh, Joseph speaks the most eloquently about the value of this book. She explains that studying the liberal arts is an intransitive excuse me, activity. The effect of studying these arts stays within the individual and perfects the faculties of the mind and spirit. She compares the studying of the liberal arts with the blooming of the rose. It brings the fruitation of possibilities of human nature. She writes the unitarian or servile arts enable one to make to be a servant, excuse me, of another person, of the state, of the corporation, of the business, and to earn a living. The liberal arts, in contrast, teach one how to live. They train the faculties and bring them to perfection. They enable a person to rise above his material environment, to live an intellectual, a rational, and therefore a free life and gaining truth. Marguerite McLean, Philadelphia, 2002. And we'll find out if this is the case, or is it just another empty promise? Trivium of the liberal arts of logic, grammar, and rhetoric. One, chapter one, liberal arts. Liberal arts, liberal arts denote the seven branches of knowledge that initiate a young, the young into a life of learning. The concept is classical. But the term liberal arts and the divisions of arts into the trivium and the quadrivium date from the Middle Ages. Trivium and the quadrivium. So the trivium and the quadrivium. The trivium includes those aspects of the liberal arts that pertain to mind. The quadrivium, those aspects of the liberal arts that pertain to matter. Logic, grammar, and rhetoric constitute the trivium. Arithmetic, music, geometry, and astronomy constitute quadrivium. Well, astronomy, you could pretty much throw off the way they fucked us with that. Uh, Arithmetic, I don't know. 
Music, yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. Geometry, sure. Astronomy, phew, that's, they had lost that one, man. They totally screwed that one up. You've got to redo that one completely. Either do, in my opinion. Anyways. Logic is the art of thinking. Grammar is the art of inventing symbols and combining them to express thought. Rhetoric is the art of communicating thought from one's mind to another, or the or to hide one's thoughts too, by the way. Yes. That's when you watch you listen to debates, you have very you ever notice I mean at first it's like wow it's all novel but the more you you break it down and uh you realize it's just uh defending a position, a point of view that nine times out of ten is not the orator's own position, but somebody else's. And it's to defend a movement. I'm not talking about bowel moving now. To defend a movement or uh, uh, sway the masses into one direction. But it, when you break it all down, it's it's really based on maybe one little thing that usually one little idea, one little principle that usually can't really be defended outside of words. In other words, you can't use your five senses or six senses or how many senses you want to say. I don't know. But whatever it is, you can't observe it in reality, in real time. It's an idea. It's it's not philosophy. It's a, a mental construct and it's a way of defending it. So you, we have to be careful. And, you know, when we talk about mental constructs, we have to remember that is from the imaginations of men. Now we're talking about vain imagination from the, what the Bible talks about. And what is it really talking about? Can we get deeper than religion itself and basically many of the ideas, mental constructs that dominate our lives Many of them, if they were removed from society and the narrative, would not your life wouldn't change a bit. You'd still be who you are, and you'd still be in the circumstances of HR, and you would still have the experiences that you have one way or the other. It's just the words that clutter it up and uh, fog it, you know, confuse the, the, the experience. And that's really is the case. The more you look into it. So, uh, anyways, where are we at there? I think it's probably a good place to stop for this recording. The book is lengthy. Could I possibly finish a book? Good gravy. Look at that, Sister Miriam. She looks exactly like a mushroom. Like if she's got the hat on and the mushroom hat, and she looks just like a, well, she looks like a mushroom or a penis. She's got a penis on her head, but I know it's supposed to be the rays of the sun. And going back all the way to with Mithraism and the sun worship, and I could probably back further than that, I'm sure. Crazy stuff. 
a person, you know, this is probably the problem too, is we talk about the trivium uh, and everyone's saying, oh, you got to learn the trivium. That's where they apply the trivium, the logic. Using logic and rhetoric and etc. Um, listen, if you don't get honest to, first of all, you do, you know, okay, there's the message. That's important. But they keep on trying to tell you that the messenger is not. And they confuse personality with the messenger. And you know what? You can be the biggest, filthiest mouth jerk on the planet, but you'd be actually speaking truth the whole time. Or you can be someone who's quite an orator and has mastered the English language and have uh, the masses fall in love with you and be nothing but sharing lies. And so you, do, you first you got to find out the foundation. So the trivium, whether it came from Aristotle or not, I don't know how you prove that. Thanks to Rome, they burned most of the damn freaking books of history or got it buried somewhere. I think they just were too lazy. I think a lot of them are, you know, in people's private collections and and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, some are in, you know, uh, libraries. Um, but m- mostly, you know, what they did is they just... One from place to the next, you know, whether it was North America, South America, Africa, Asia, is they just, uh, you know, you kill, you wipe out the intellectuals, burn the books, and impose their their form, their thinking. Um, and so, why is this important after saying that? Well, I think one should understand the enemy's approach to you. And I will argue that the trivium is actually being used against you as time goes on. So it's good to know that, understand how it's used, what it is, uh, and, um, and you know, we can start asking serious questions. You know, but ultimately it comes down to, you know, where's the beef? Where's the beef? Come on, where's the evidence? You know what I mean? Uh, most things that you'll you'll discover, I mean, the problem here, uh, the trivium without the application of the quadrivium, which basically means thinking, rationalizing, reasoning out, a problem and then fixing it the only way that we really know how to do uh, ultimately is uh, in this physical realm that we're in and whether it's through you know mechanics me- mechanical engineering uh, chemical engineering etc that kind of thing in other words we're manipulating our environment um, without that balance you know it really Words, ultimately, you know, it's the old saying, word, you know, words without action doesn't mean anything. So, I, you know, I'm guilty of this, and everyone else is guilty of this in the Internet world. And this is what they've done. They've enslaved us and trapped us. That we've just, uh, you know, 
So we're learning the skills of Trivium, but we're not learning the skills of the Quadrivium. We're not learning skills to actually truly defend ourselves from uh, oppression and deception and uh, enslavement and that kind of thing. So we're not going to give you that. So um, it's a long haul. It's a long haul for anyone to set themselves free from this uh, just this living hell that we live in. In some ways, you know, the Gnostics have a lot of things that are right. Uh, and I hear all the time, it's always the stupid debate, you know. The Gnostics, oh, they're all evil, and it's all Satan. Coming from the fundamentalists, from the Roman Catholics on down. And then vice versa. You know, the fact of the matter is, there's times that it's absolutely necessary. In fact, most times in life, it's necessary to be pragmatic. But at the same token, token, it's, you know, instead of making up all this, you know, I believe this, I believe that, I'm going to push my belief on you. Let's be honest and say, you know, If I can't really defend my position with reality outside of words um, and pictures and imagery, if I can't really defend it, then it's probably not... It's just a mental construct is all it is. It's just a mental construct. The Trivium. I've had this book for a long time. I've read it. I tried to get into it. Uh, maybe got page 50 or something. But it is rather boring, but maybe I can make it a little more interesting. I doubt it. <laughs> but we'll try it anyways. And at least that we can say, you know, my journey, and anybody's followed my journey, whether it was the old, uh, the new little series I'm doing and personal whatever it is show series YouTube channel community call that nobody ever community never seems to join in but there are those few that listen but uh, and then you know uh, nothing but the truth which you know, I ended up having quite a I know I started developing a following but that wasn't the important thing I mean I appreciate it but it was my journey, so no one can say that in our, with, who shared my journey that we haven't studied and researched and read the Bible. We just can't. And now we're going to, you know, the next thing that's the latest thing that you got to know is Trivium. Let's find out if we really do need to know the Trivium. Let's do it. At least they can, we can say we did it. We read it, or we listened to it. And... um so, you know, the, uh, oh, the, the wonderful sages of internet, the, the internet world can't accuse us of not doing that, right? And uh, go from there. And by the way, this is pretty important when you think about it, going back to what my argument has been, being living in the Roman Empire. That the two books that uh, the two well the philosophies if you will that have heavily influenced us 
of the biblical philosophy, written words on page that you know we can't prove any of it. Um, I have a faith in in Jesus Christ, and but it's only from personal experience, and it gives me hope. That's all. I can't prove to you that I'm right about that. I can't. I cannot do that. And I'm being honest about that. So, and then there is uh, the Platonics and Aristotle and etc. You know the uh, the mental gymnastics that they put us through. I think we'll f- discover uh, how really scientism came about the the religion. Uh, the faith of the science is infallible. And of course it can't be. It's, it's, it's mental constructs. It's made by men. Everything that's made by man has a, a good and bad in it. It's not trying to be dualistic in that sense. There's usually some good in it, and there's usually a bunch of bullshit behind it, too. It's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, everyone's hoping that there's going to be some kind of way of defending yourself from the inevitability of, uh, well, you know, all I can say is uh, the generations before us have gone through similar things. Uh, they uh, still had to go through it, so I don't know if there is any way to overcome any of this. You know, as a movement goes, or as a people, I think it's just an individual. How do you triumph through the maze of insanity, of madness? How do you how do you overcome it? How do you get through this? And I think as part of the whole thing, this crazy psychotic game that we're all playing is really um, how do you survive it? How do you go from the the moment of conception? Survive that to that whole period uh, without being, you know, aborted into, uh, you know, birth and then life and you know, living life into how do you end your life? How, 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 what's the ending all about? Well, I mean, your, your death, you know, physical realm. And what is after this? How do you survive it all? And, uh, Everyone has an answer. Everyone has, oh, you know, we all know the answers, this, that, and the other. But and, and the more you study these things, you should come to uh, the other conclusion, the opposite, that I don't have all the answers. And I don't have many answers at all. And, you know, instead of making this all a big frickin' ego trip, maybe it's just... Uh, just being honest to where you're at. It's very difficult. It's very difficult for a human being under the um, system that we're under now to to make that honest, make an honest claim, make that an honest claim that you know, and that's your truer self. That's probably your higher self. Your higher self is really to get to the point where you're like, all right. This is what I can do. This is what I know. This is what I've experienced. This is, and and also recognize what you're really experiencing. 
can you go into a a say uh, uh, a meeting uh, uh, a convention uh, a group setting and really decipher what is happening or are you just simply entertained are you, do you have a capacity to reflect upon your experience and not and not only to do that but also to do it in a way where you you can have compassion for those around you and empathy sympathy and not to think that you're better than anybody else and not to be at war with every, the rest of humanity, but to just recognize what's going on. And then, here's another problem. Once you recognize what's really going on, can you accept the fact that you're probably not going to have an outlet? Uh, and this physical plane, this physical complaint, physical complain <laughs> the plane uh yeah i mean i strongly recommend that everybody do something like i'm doing and just throw it out there in the ether and so what if they document it all and they use it for their ultimate you know their you know g5 and, and all this thing and, and so what they're going to do it anyway, so so what? It's not necessarily even complying with their, their wishes and wants. It's just, you know, everybody needs to have, if you want to grow in logic and in rhetoric, grammar, you have to somehow find an outlet to do it. And part of it's, you know, writing, getting back to writing, Part of it speaking, and you know, if you want to go to that point of having, you know, debates. Debating is a skill in itself. It's like jousting is a sparring. It's like boxing. It's like uh, you know, applying all your skills against uh, another person, and that's all it is. It's really not. It's the goal is not actually to come up uh, with truth or, or knowledge or any kind of progressing anybody else it's to win the audience and uh, win the debate win over the debate and I've seen over and over again how a whole, a whole audience has been won over and literally not a single thing could be substantiated Uh, and, and by the way, referring to textbooks, it doesn't substantiate it. Written words in a book don't substantiate much of anything. But we're going to learn how they use it. And we just talked about and read about how they use it. And, you know, the justification, references, footnotes, etc. But you know what? That doesn't mean in the end of the day that uh, the footnote, the reference, is any more truer than the messenger and the, uh, the messenger's message. So, wow, this is complicated stuff, right? It's real philosophical now. No, it's just reality. 
You and I both know. Okay, let's think about it. If you're a young man and you're out trying to court women, which really means you want to get in their pants, and you want to find a hot chick that you can get in her pants and, uh, you know, have babies and, you know, you know, bond with and have that beautiful codependent relationship between a man and a woman. That they try to even they try they try to make that like a terrible thing. You're codependent. Oh my gosh, you have a really. I mean, I mean, now you're talking to a guy. I don't have. A, I'm not in a relationship, and I haven't been in one now for going on six years, and I don't miss it. I've been in relationships, and overall, the best part of it was with women was basically. I love the sex. When you every well, not all of them. Some of the relationships weren't really that good. But in the, my favorite ones were the ones where it was wonderful sex. <laughs> it's a wonderful bonding. Well, at least it was for me. It, whether or not in the end of the day it was love, that's a whole other thing. But it was, I do miss that. I do miss making love to a beautiful woman, but I don't really want to go through the process again. To, um, I just don't. I just don't want to burden myself with that whole thing and then have to you know what I mean I, I like the freedom to think I like the freedom to contemplate um, you know it, you know if I was a younger man it, you know that'd be different but you know I just uh, it's not that important I have different drives today so anyways where is it going with all this stuff? Well, fact of the matter is, let's learn about the trivium. Let's find out. Let's find out really how important the trivium is. And then when we hear these people that keep on barfing out the trivium and how you got to learn the trivium, well, you know what? We'll know the trivium. And i got a feeling we'll probably end up knowing the trivium better than them. <laughs> Seriously. And then we can go to him and say, hey, man, have you ever read the Trivium? Have you ever studied it yourself, really? Okay, let's have a discussion about it. And we'll find out real fast if they have or not. Because I think a lot of people are just doing it. You know, Jan, Jan Irving, uh, you know, he done a good job of promoting the thing, but this is the new re- replacement philosophy. Another, you know, is it just another empty promise? Family and community. That's where it really... Making love to your beautiful woman. Having children. And uh, being part of a community of honest people that are really working together for each other's benefit and betterment. And uh, that's what life is all about. No matter what modernity has to... you know. uh, and the social engineers are trying to do, they can't replace what is us. They just can't. They're trying to, but they can't do it. It just doesn't, it makes life meaningless. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.